Everybody say that with me. Everybody say, tell me a story. I got three little kids, and uh, every night before bed, they still, if they can, because they like to milk it, don't they? One more, Daddy, please tell us a story. And then it depends, too, because sometimes, you know, they get to up too late, and you're like, oh, you missed story time. You stayed up too late. So anyway, I love, how many love stories as a kid? You love stories? How many still love stories? How many of you guys read novels? You read fictional stuff? How many of y'all girls read the crazy, you know, huh? Uh, yeah, you're laughing for a reason. Anyway, uh, I love stories. Here's, here's what I've learned about stories, that stories always begin with like a great phrase, don't they? Like they, they begin with like in a land far, far away or in a galaxy far, far away. And so uh, today we will begin a series as we look at some of the greatest stories ever told. Jesus was the ultimate storyteller. He taught in parables is what the Bible said. And his stories didn't begin with in a galaxy far, far away. What did they begin with? The kingdom of heaven is like the majority of his stories began like that. The kingdom of heaven is like. And what's so important about these stories is this. Uh, basically, these stories give us a picture of who God is and in turn a picture of who we are. Now, now let me tell you something real quick here as we begin. The two most important things that you can ever think about in life, the, th- the two things that really shape who you are, shape the direction of your life, come down to really these things that we will pull from the stories. Number one is this. It's how you see God. How you see God, what comes to your mind when you think of God shapes who you are. Because it shapes how you, 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 you see God towards you. And then the second thing is likened unto it. It's how we think God sees us. So when you think about all these stories that Jesus tells, how many know that Jesus is always trying to unfold a story? It's a story that shapes you because it shapes how you see God. And then it shapes how you think God sees you. And then those stories shape you and then you shape your future. The stories matter. Think about all of them. Like they all start with some idea of like God is a king who threw a great feast and you were invited in. Or God was a wealthy guy who gave you talents and then was seeing what you would do with it. Or God was a father who had a son and he was waiting on that son to come home. God was a shepherd and he had lost a sheep and he went looking for that sheep. And what you find is this. You begin to shape the picture of who God is with these great stories. Because some of you, you shaped your God image through some terrible church experience. You shaped your God image through maybe what your earthly father was like. And so I've even had conversations with people where I talk about God as loving father. And the person literally cringes because their father was so either abusive or distant or cold or whatever it is. And so we have these different life experiences or bad church experiences that shape our God picture. And Jesus wants to eradicate all those and bring you a very, very crystal clear picture so that you know who God is. And then even on top of that, you know how God sees you. Are you ready to begin? Listen to what this says in Matthew chapter 13. The Bible says that Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. And so was fulfilled that which was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So this is the idea that Jesus is just telling stories because, I mean, we remember stories. As a matter of fact, I bumped into a girl just a couple of years ago. I had preached at a youth camp probably seven years earlier. 
And she actually said, you know what I remember the most about that? She goes, I remember the story about, and y'all don't want to know the story. This is a story that I had told at camp. Didn't remember my sermon. I had like, I'm sure, 20 great points over that week of, of, of preaching. You know what she remembered? Story. We remember story. And that's why we can remember things like there was a good Samaritan. And so all of a sudden we begin to get an image of who God is and what we, cause so, so again, how does this, how does the story begin? The kingdom of heaven is like. So this is why it's so important. Because not only do you get a picture of who God is and who you are, you get a picture of how do you relate to God? Cause isn't that what's important? Okay. How does the kingdom work? What do I do as a citizen of the kingdom? What's the king like? What do I need to do for the king? What's the king doing for me? This is all so important. And so for the remainder of this series, just so you all know what I say parable, this is what we're talking about. A parable is simply this. It is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And over the next few weeks, we will take a look at just one of these. Now, I did a series uh, on parables years ago, and it was called Once Upon a Time. And then some dumb TV show came out and stole my title. And so I couldn't, re, I couldn't retitle it once upon a time. I had to come up with something new. So we call it Tell Me a Story. But we'll cover a new set of parables. I mean, I covered four the first time around. I'll cover four more and there'll still be a bunch left over. As a matter of fact, at the end of service, we will be handing out at the door, we will be handing out a reading list or a reading guide. And it's a 21-day reading guide so that you may read all of the parables over the next 21 days. Because from now till the fourth Sunday of this, you'll have 21 days in the middle. I would love for you to journey with us through the parables. Obviously, each Sunday will be just one but by the end of this 21 days you'll have read all of the parables everybody's all right let's begin so here today we will begin in luke chapter 8 if you have your bible read along on the screen if not we will begin with what we might call like the opening parable this is really the first parable that jesus tells and this is the interesting part about this parable most parables jesus told some people got it Most people got it. Some people were confused. There are only two parables, really, that he fully explains in detail. And this is one of them. It's normally referred to as the parable of the sower. Are you ready? Here we go. Luke chapter 8, verse number 4. The Bible says, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. So who is the who's the parable told to? Just the masses, the people. This wasn't specific to any group, just the masses. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on a rock. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and with it grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. Now, here's something that's interesting is that Jesus is actually kind of responding to culture right now. And you don't know this because we didn't live back then. And, And a bunch of different rabbis had come out with their descriptions of what a disciple looked like. And they used these uh, kind of these similar type stories and they always used it in groups of four. And so these three or four or five different rabbis had had, here's what a disciple's like. And they put it in a category of four. This is Jesus's way of answering and clarifying what a disciple really, really looks like. And so this is his take. He describes four. Now, here's the deal too. Normally in your Bible, there's a header. If you were reading along and it says the parable of the sower, that's what it's most commonly known as. You can mark that out. I'll give you permission. You can because the editors put, Jesus didn't put that in there, all right? I don't know if you knew that. Just write that, because it's not about a parable about a sower, okay? It's a parable about four soils. So 
anytime you read a parable, always think like this. You're always analyzing the parable and asking yourself questions like, okay, in this parable, who is God? In this parable, who is me? And what do I need to do or do differently in light of the story that's going on? So what you have in this story is you have really three central characters, right? You have, number one, you have the farmer. And who does that represent? This isn't a trick question. Just go for it. Yeah, it's God. Y'all are like, I don't want to say God and be wrong. I don't want to be that guy. It's God. Everybody just, we'll just all get it. Everybody say God. Yeah, so the sower represents God. Now, he goes and he starts to throw out seed. Now, Jesus talks about what the seed is in just a minute. The seed represents the words of God, the word of God. And so God comes along and he begins to plant seeds in the hearts of men. And then, of course, there's soil, right? There's four different kinds of soil, and those represent the hearts of mankind. So really, this is not the parable of the sower. This is the parable of the four soils or what would represent the four hearts that we all at some point in our life carry and have. Are you tracking with me so far? Here's what you need to know about your heart. Your heart is a big deal to God. Your heart is incredibly important. And here's what I mean when I say heart. God is made in three parts. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God made you in His likeness and image, and so you are made of three parts. You are body, soul, and spirit. Are you with me so far? That's the way you are. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, that's not who you are. Somebody say amen. When you look on the scale, that's not you either. That's, that's, some, that's, that's the cookie monster. But anyway, that's not you. You, your body is just something that God gave you so that you can live on planet earth. That's it. You don't even get to keep that thing forever. Have you ever noticed that? It's this thing's temporary. So take good care of it. Cause I mean, trust me, you want it to last. You don't want to throw your back out, just flipping a mattress over a giant wimp. So you don't want to be that. And so take care of your body. Your body is good. God gave it to you. Be a great steward over it. But your body is not who you are. The next part would be your soul. This is typically what people think about when they think about their thoughts and their emotions. Once again, you are not your emotions. They're just something you feel or something you experience. You're you're not exactly your thoughts. Your thoughts are just something that you have that you exercise. The core of who you are is your spirit or the Bible would even say your heart. And so this is what we're talking about today. The core of who you are is your heart. What lives on? Sure, your your thoughts, your emotions, those those are going to go on. The core of who you are is your spirit. Listen to what Solomon said about this. Proverbs 4 verse 23. He said, keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Can I get an amen about that? Like, yeah, we got we got some heart things going on. Like the reason why we sometimes do the things that we don't want to do is we got heart issues. Sometimes the reason why we get into trouble or get into messes or just break down or flip out or head down a wrong path, whatever it is, it's because we have heart issues. And so Solomon knew that. And he said, hey, recognize the fact that you have a heart and you need to protect it, guard it and keep it above all else, because out of that flows everything. Remember what what's in your heart. God is there. He sows seed into your heart so that you know who God is. And as you begin to see God clearly, then as you understand how God sees you, life begins to work out of that flows all the issues of life. That's what we're talking about today. And so as Jesus tells the story, as he tells the parable, he says a seed, a farmer goes out to sow seed. And it falls amongst four different kinds of soil. This is where you and I engage. Because here's what you need to know. There is no problem with the farmer, is there? Like, there ain't nothing wrong with that farmer. That farmer's great. 
Ain't no issue, ain't no concern. We don't need to theologically dissect any of that. Let me tell you what else is not wrong. Ain't nothing wrong with the seed either. The seed is perfect. The farmer's perfect. What was the thing that we needed to figure out in the story? Is which one of these soils represents us? Which one of these hearts is what I'm dealing with right now? Who am I in this story? And figuring that out will be the most important step that we take today. Here are the four, and I'll let the Holy Spirit lead you into where you're at today. Number one is this. Everybody say the hard heart. The hard heart. Some of us have hard hearts. This depends on what you've experienced in life. It depends on what you've gone through in life. Jesus describes it like this later as he's actually breaking down the parable. He said those along the path are ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Basically, this was the picture of a farmer going out. And, and I don't know if you've ever been around farming and fields and that kind of thing. I grew up, my, my grandfather was a rancher and farmer and all that. So I grew up around this stuff and you just literally take seed and then just just throw it and scatter and take seed and throw it and scatter it. And how many know when you start scattering stuff, sometimes it just falls a little bit everywhere. And, and if you've ever seen this, there's typically a path that everybody walks on. If you've ever seen cattle, uh, cattle do this. They always walk on the same path over and over and over again. And eventually that path just becomes hardened. And it doesn't matter how many seeds you throw on that thing. That ground is hard and ain't nothing getting through. And many times that's the way you and I are in our hearts. Sometimes we have been walked over, things have been callous, things have been hardened to the point that it does not matter how many seeds we throw at that thing. It ain't getting through because your heart has become hard. So let me ask you this question. Is your heart hard today? You ever been through a painful experience? I remember talking to a young man. Uh, he came down front and wanted prayer one day. And he said, man, I just don't know. I've been so mad at God. And I'm like, okay, well, why are you mad at God? And, and he goes, well, well, he took my grandmother. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, tell me. I'm, out. I'm trying to be compassionate. He goes, well, she died of cancer. But she went to church every week. And she gave. And she prayed. And she did this. And she did that. And she died of cancer. And, and, and I just had one of these little unctions where I was like, normally I just be super sweet and compassionate, but something was off about it. And I just said, okay, hey, do you mind me asking what, what, what kind of cancer did, did grandma have? She had lung cancer. I'm like, okay. I'm like, hey, did, did grandma smoke a lot? Oh, man, two packs a day for 60 years. I'm like, hey, just, I don't think God, I don't think God killed your grandma. I think if you smoke two packs a day for 60 years, it's going to kill you. And I was trying to be super nice. And I was trying to show to him like, hey, you can pray and go to church and smoke two packs a day and you're going to die. And I love you and Jesus loves you. But anybody that does. And so you, you listen, you live a life outside of God's ways or you don't steward your body well or you do certain. Now, don't get me wrong. There are certain times in life where bizarre and strange and unexplainable Awful things happen, and we still don't even have great answers for those. But be careful of the painful experiences that harden your heart. Some of you, how many of you have ever had a bad church experience where church experience turns you away from God? You ever had a bad experience with another Christian? They were so mean or arrogant or rude or whatever that they were, they were so a turnoff to the things of God. As a matter of fact, when you listen to Gandhi's story in his own autobiography, he writes a story of going to church. And while at church, he literally is turned away at the door. He's called a barbarian. He's barefooted. And he looks kind of strange compared to all the white British people that were in this church. And, and Gandhi was looking for something to break away from Hinduism and the caste system. And he was turned away 
at the church doors and couldn't even go in. He was fascinated by the story of Jesus. He was intrigued by the story of redemption. But he was completely turned away and therefore turned off because of a bad and negative experience. Hardened people, they say things like this. Well, I just can't believe in God because. Well, I just can't believe in a God who would. You fill in the blank. I don't go to church because. We ran into this not too long ago. I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. But you're a believer. Yes, but you won't go to church. So you're a hypocrite that don't go to church. I mean, we're everywhere, okay? So my, my point is this, is that, yes, the church is full of, because here's the deal. I want you to come in with all your junk and all your issues, and I'm going to let God work that out. But you're not coming up in this place perfect, and nobody leaves this place perfect. Can I get an amen? We're all trying to work this thing out. So don't let a bad experience harden your heart. Be careful of bad experiences. Be, be aware, because Jesus said it's like this. When your heart begins to harden, know that that's when the enemy attacks and he plucks away the seed of what God wants to do in your life. Number two is this. Not only there is there a hardened heart, Jesus refers to the second one as a shallow heart. Listen to what he says here. He said, those on the rocky ground are those who receive the word with joy. Another version says immediately or quickly. And when they hear it, they have no root. They believe for a while. But in time of testing, they fall away. So the first one never even got a chance to believe. Their heart was so hardened. It was like that seed just bounced right off of it. The birds took it away. But the second one was different. It actually heard the word, received the word. Again, the other translation says it received it immediately. And here's the picture that I think that the gospel writers are painting. Is that there are certain people in life who you mean well. Your intentions are good. But it could be that you're making an emotional decision, not a committed decision. Now, I know you've never done this before. Other people, I'm sure, have done that. Not you, though. You get worked up. You get excited. You get pumped up in a church service or at a camp or at a something. And you're like, yes, God, I'm going to do it. Yes, God, I'm going to live for you. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? You know, you're, on, you're just on fire, ready to take on hell with a water gun. You're like, woo! And, and then like two weeks later, we don't see you around anymore at church. You done gone. You done took your woohoo back to the party crowd. You know, so be careful. Jesus has an experience. This young guy comes up to him and he says, Jesus, I will follow you anywhere. I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus knew he was making this emotional decision. He said, uh, check yourself. Uh, foxes have holes. Birds have nests. I don't even have a place to lay my head at night. So you just, What he was saying was this, know that the decision that you are about to make is a legitimate commitment. It is a sacrificial decision. It is not light. This is not a light thing that you're engaged in. Let me, let me help you out with this idea. The disciples out of the 12 original, 10 of them were martyred, killed. They were hung upside down, stabbed, burned at the stake. John, they couldn't kill him. They boiled him three times. You know, these guys, this is what I want you to know though. Never died of a broken heart. Didn't die with any disappointment. They didn't die with this, oh, but Jesus, you said this was going to be easy. No, he didn't. He, he told them. He said, hey, just so you know, you're going to follow me and your family might disown you and people ain't going to like you. And there's some other people, they're just going to straight kill you. And it, it, that's not even going to be good. And so he, he, he never, ever kind of worked this little pretty gospel version as if it were, you know, the yellow brick road going down and singing songs. Everything's going to be easy. He goes, no, it's going to be difficult at times. So know this. Don't make a weak, half-hearted, shallow, emotionally driven decision to do anything for me. 
Because life ain't that easy. Isn't that good? We don't teach our kids that anymore, do we? We don't teach our kids. So I'm telling you that Jesus taught the disciples this. These are the kids. These are the ones he's bringing up. He said, I want you to know this is not a thing I want you to take lightly. And some people do that. And so here's what happens. You come and you make a decision. I'm finally going to serve her. I'm finally going to give her. I'm just going to say yes to Jesus. And you make this based off of emotion. But then the Bible says you never lay down roots. Everybody say roots. What we're, what we're referring to is this, is we never took the word of God deeper. We never laid down these deep commitments into uh, our own faith, our own reading of the scripture, our own worshiping God. We never owned it in our own personal way and made that big attempt. And so this is why people that make these emotionally shallow commitments, that it, what happens is this, is then conflict comes up. You're gone. Discomfort comes along. You're gone. I say something you don't like. You're gone. You know what I mean? Ask you to do something I don't agree with. I'm gone. And we don't even know why. So, again, so many times in life we are living purely based on showing up on a Sunday morning, getting emotionally worked up, and then trying to ride that out for the rest of the week. But we've never opened up our own Bible. We don't have any personal devotion time with God. We don't pray our own. We don't seek God our own. We don't go that extra mile. And in doing so, we never lay down roots. We are emotionally connected to it. We have made no legitimate commitment. Jesus said, be careful, because that person, when trials come, when hard times come, they don't last. And we don't want to be those people. Number three is this. It's the crowded heart. Hey, don't preach me down or don't, don't aim me too loud here. I know y'all are, I start talking about stuff and y'all are just, or pin drop out there. Um, just say amen and act like it. Okay. So humor me. I don't feel good. Number three is this. Everybody say the crowded heart, the crowded heart. He begins by saying there's a hardened heart. Many of us have experienced that before. There's a shallow heart. This is the crowded heart. Listen to what he says about this. He goes, this is the one where the seed, it fell among thorns and it stands uh, for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked out by life's worries, riches and pleasures. And they do not mature. They are choked out by life's worries, riches and pleasures. And they do not mature. This is the crowded heart. He said, you know what the problem with some disciples are? With some believers, with some followers, it's, it's, their intent is good. They mean well. But the problem is, is that they got too much stuff going on in their life and God is not the priority. God is not first and foremost. God is not above all. And you got so many things going on that God is just one thing amongst a bunch of other things. And they all are about the same on our priority list. There's an old saying that goes like this and somebody needs to write this down. If everything's the focus, then nothing's the focus. If everything's the focus, then nothing's the focus. It's all the same. And so what I'm telling you is that God needs to be the centerpiece of life and let everything revolve around that. That way God's in the center of your marriage, of your parenting, of your finances, of all your decisions, of your dating, of your morality, all those things. God is the centerpiece of all of those things, not just one thing amongst many. Meaning it's got, well, I got God on Sunday and then I got work Monday through Friday and then I got, you know, I got hunting on Saturday and then I got, no, no, no. God is not one thing amongst a bunch of things. He is the premier thing above all things. Are you, are you hearing me? Here's what Jesus said. He mentions three things. Number one is this. Everybody say cares. There are three things that, that, that crowd your heart. Cares. These are the good things that take, take place of important things. Have you ever noticed that in life? Most of you don't get distracted by bad things. Most of you did, did not get distracted by knocking over a liquor store and killing kittens. Nobody, nobody here is worried about that 
Well, no, you're like, well, I got baseball and, and, and it's it's travel season and I got to go. And so I'll be I won't be at church for three months. And it's like, OK, well, that, that's, that could be a good thing. But is it the ultimate thing? And is that the best thing for you and the family and the children and, and all this involved in this? And is baseball evil? No, no, no. I mean, we all love the Giants. So not the A's, but the Giants, at least, you know, we all love the Niners, but not the Raiders. We all we all love. Just kidding. I love all my Raider fans. I feel like y'all are the most thick-skinned people. You know what I mean? Because y'all can just lose and lose and lose. I just keep on believing. I bet y'all make great Christians. You know what I mean? Because you can endure all things and keep believing. Y'all are not shallow believers in Raider Nation. I know, for real. So... Anyway, you, you've got, you've got, this is when good things take the place of God things. Most of us in life are not getting into trouble doing bad things. Many of us as Christ followers are, are distracted and crowded because we've made good things the ultimate things and we took God out of his rightful place. Are you with me? That's where most of us are at with many of our cares. Number two is this. He said riches. He said, be careful. Some of you are so driven to succeed, driven to get ahead, driven to make money, driven for status, driven for stuff. And is, is, is that stuff in and of itself bad? No, of course not. But when that stuff begins to be the driving factor of your life, he said, your heart's crowded. You got other things that are your dream and desire that have taken the place of God's dreams and God's desires for your life. And number three was this is pleasures. He said, be careful. Like some of us just have too many things that are just, well, it's just for fun. And I, I just like doing it. And I just do this for enjoyment. And I do this for pleasure. And what happens is this. Our schedule becomes so slam packed with cares and riches and pleasures that God gets lost in the shuffle. We have no priority, no scheduling for God. And so God's like, hey, this is the crowded heart. You ever been on 580? Headed east? About 530? How'd that make you feel? How do you think God feels when your heart's crowded? I'm thankful he doesn't get road rage. Anybody ever hurt somebody you've been in traffic so long? I remember the last time we went to Tahoe. I went a quarter mile in two hours. And it was cold. I couldn't get out and walk. It was too cold. Other people like jumping out of the car just to go use the bathroom. We'd been sitting there so long. It was awful. There ain't nothing worse than being crowded and being stuck. And I'm telling you, this is where our hearts become sometimes. So look at your heart. We'll, we'll talk about what to do with these things at the end here, here today. If you're taking medicine, it's 1104. Um, baby, I probably need some medicine. So, um, number, number four is this. We talked about the hardened heart. We talked about the shallow heart, the crowded heart. The last one is this. It's the open heart. It's the receptive heart. Isn't this the heart we all long to have? Like when we read the parable, we're like, I want that one. Because he blows their mind when he tells the parable. He goes, this one receives a hundredfold return, which to the farmer would have been just like, what? You know, he blew their mind. Jesus would do this. He would use exaggeration and hyperbole in his, in his teachings, in his parable many times. This is one of them. He was saying the good life, the God life, the, the rich soil, the receptive heart, the heart that is so open to what God wants to say and what God wants to do, it is the best life possible. This is the heart that God wants you to have. Let me, let me give you just one, one quick thought as I thought about how do you do this? How do you get that heart? I, I believe that, that there's a lot of different things that you can do to, to get that heart or to have that heart. But I'm going to talk about one thing for just a quick second here. As I ask God, what, 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 I, I want that heart. 
I want to be so receptive to you, God, that I'm never crowded. I'm never shallow. I'm never hardened. I'm right dialed in with you. I'm always listening to you. I'm experiencing your best. I'm living in your ways. I'm living in your will. That's can I can't you know where you all want to be. How do I get that? And the, the, the biggest thing that was impressed my part upon my heart was this is that there is a huge level of humility in the open heart. There's a huge level of humility because humble people are teachable. Humble people don't think they know everything already. Humble people are willing to listen. Humble people are willing to be molded and, and, and flexible. Humble people are just so receptive to saying, God, I want you first and above all things. And God, I'm just, I'm just happy to be along for the ride with you. And that, that humility, even in how you deal with other people, the ability to lift other people up higher than yourself. Not lower yourself. God never wants you to lower yourself in that sense. He just wants you to elevate people higher than you. He wants to elevate God. He wants you to elevate God's place in your life higher than what you would. And so that's where the humble heart is so important. And so anyway, here's what I want to say for, 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 for today. If you are out there and you say, Todd, I think I might have some hardness in my heart. I have a hardened heart. Maybe you came in today as a skeptic and somebody just promised you um, a buffet afterwards. I don't know how you got here, but or, or maybe you've dealt with a death in the family or you, you've got your own reason for having a hardened heart. If you have a hardened heart, you know what you really need in life? You need God to heal your heart. You need God to soften your heart and to heal your heart. And I want you to know that God loves you. And maybe you have gone through incredible abuse. God wants to heal you. God loves you. Just because you experience something. Because that's the, way, that's the way some people respond to their own abuse. They would say, well, I won't ever serve a God who would let that happen. I don't ever want to be. And I want you to know that God's been with you that entire time. And God has never once left your side. That God is with you even now wanting to help you and to heal your heart. God dearly, dearly loves you and wants to heal you. For those of you who say, I have a shallow heart. I, I just know I make these emotional decisions and then I, you know what you need? You need a genuine experience with God. It, this is what I call the, the just kind of unexplainable but unforgettable experience with God. And then from that point forward, you need to start to lay down roots in the aftermath of that experience. The way you lay down roots is you start making commitments. You start doing something and this is all going to sound awful. This is like a four letter word. You, you're going to have to have self-discipline. Which is a fruit of the spirit, by the way, like God wants you to be disciplined in how you live your life. And maybe it's as simple as reading your Bible and praying and seeking God and serving in church or being here every Sunday morning to overcome the shallow heart. Number three is this for the crowded heart. For those of you who are too busy, too much going on, so many things. At some point, you will have to look at your life and say, there are things that I need to sacrifice. There are good things that I need to sacrifice for the great things. There are average things that I need to sacrifice so that I can experience the best things. You cannot do everything in life. You can't. It's impossible. You got a limited number of days and a limited number of time. You can't. Now, here's what I believe. I believe you can do anything. I just don't believe you can do everything. You need to find the anything. God, what, what, if I can do anything, God, what would you put in my heart to do? And let me pursue that. I don't want my heart to be crowded. And then lastly, if you have an open heart today, if you say, hey, man, I'm just dialed in and amen and ready to go. And just keep cultivating. Because here's the problem. You can have good soil right now. And that thing can drift into being hard. That thing can drift into being crowded. You need to do some, some, some pesticide. You need to do some weed management. You need, to, you need to take care of business and cultivate that open heart. Now, I'm going to flip the parable on its head just a little bit. Are you ready? One of the major mistakes that we make as, as, as thinkers that, that come from Western civilization, and, which is based out of Greek thinking, is we don't see things maybe the way that Jesus' listeners would have always seen everything. 
And here's what I mean by that. Most of us, when we hear this sermon, we're trying to figure out which heart we are. And that's a good thing. You ought to be doing that. We're trying to figure out, well, I'm not hardened. Maybe I'm a little crowded. Sometimes I'm kind of shallow. Maybe I'm open today. And you're working through. Now, here's the deal. This is the big, the big walk away that I really want you to chew on and wrestle with. This might be the major key to the whole parable is this. I don't have one of these hearts. I might have all of them. See, as an Eastern listener, they wouldn't have been thinking I'm either this or that. They would have actually thought, you know, in some areas of my life, I'm totally open. But I got other areas of my life, I'm shallow. I got some areas of my life, man, I'm so open to what God wants to do and so receptive of what God wants to do. But in other areas of my life, whew, I'm crowded. I'm busy. Let, let, let me make some sense of this. God, help me with my kids. My kids are crazy. Please help my kids. You're like, you praying up a store for your kids and praying that God give you wisdom for parenting and what to do. And you're praying, kid, kid, kid. Don't you talk to me about my money. That's mine. I worked hard for that. That's my money. Get up. Get up off my money. So you got one area where you're open. You got one area where you're like, you totally turned off. Here, here's another one. Cause I know some of you, you, you know, you're, you're career driven. You're single. You're starting to make your way. You're like, man, God help me with my finances. I'm giving. I want to get debt free. I want to prosper as so I'm tithing. I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, but don't engage in my dating life. Cause you don't need to know about what that. That's what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So you're open in certain areas. You're closed in others. God, I really want to serve, but you're too busy. It's not, it's not that your intent's not good. It's just you're, you're too busy. You got too many. You got a crowded heart. I want these things. And so we have, here's what I need you to walk away with. It's not that you absolutely are always hardened or that you are absolutely always crowded or that you are absolutely always open. It's that you probably are a little bit of all of them. There, there's certain areas of your life where I'm totally open, but there's other areas where I'm turned off. This is where we need to dissect these different categories of life and these different areas of life and not start patting ourselves on the back too quickly to say, yay, God, look at me. Look what I did. I did this. I did this. I did this. But you got five other areas of your life that are hard. So let's close with this. One simple question. How's your heart? How's your heart doing? How's your heart towards God, towards church, towards other people, towards your family members? How's your heart when you lay your head down at night and you think about what's going on in your world? How's your heart when you when you stand here and you worship and you sing these songs or maybe you don't sing these songs? How's your heart? Where is your heart? Because the point of the parable was this. Farmer's perfect. He's great. Nothing wrong with him. The seed is perfect. The seed is great. Nothing's wrong with that. The only thing that could possibly be off is the soil of our hearts. That's it. So many times in life we get into to bad areas of our life or we hit speed bumps or we hit roadblocks or we just run into problems and mess. And sometimes we look at God and say, what's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with God. He has been there all the time and he is full of love and grace and faithfulness towards you. Ain't nothing wrong with God in this equation. There's nothing wrong with his word. The only thing that could be a problem is could be that our receptor is off, that our soil maybe is tainted, that something is wrong in our heart. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. And I want you to ask yourself, I want you to have a moment with God and say, God, how's my heart? Is there any bitterness that I have? towards somebody that I love or somebody that's wronged me? How's your heart?
when it comes to your marriage, married couples? How's your heart? You hardened? You crowded? How's your heart when it comes to being engaged in the kingdom of God? Stepping up in areas like giving and serving. How's your heart? Are you crowded? Is there too much going on? I know this is challenging. That's what Jesus told these parables for. He told the parables so that the people who listened to them would hear a fascinating story, but would be left absolutely needing to make a decision, having to react and respond to the story. This is the story. It's that there's a farmer who is giving. There is a seed that is perfect. And there is a heart that needs to open up to what God wants to say and to what God wants to do. And when we do that, our life becomes abundant. Lord Jesus, I pray for our hearts this morning. God, I pray that if there's anyone in here who has a hardened heart through some type of bad or painful or awful experience or some turn off, God, I pray that you'd begin to soften and heal their heart. God, I pray for those of us who, God, have made emotional decisions that, God, we make a commitment to lay down roots, that we dig deep, that we don't date Jesus. We get married to this thing. We don't date the kingdom. We get married. We get committed to this thing. God, for the crowded heart, God, show us what things need to go. And God, for us, those of us, we've got some open hearts in a lot of different areas. God, help us to keep cultivating it. Don't let that go. Keep fertilizing. Keep weeding it. Keep taking care of it, God, so that we might experience your best. The farmer is good. The seed is good. And his desire is that you prosper and live abundantly. That's the story. It shows you who God is. It shows you who you are. And it shows you God's desire towards you. So he wants you to live in his presence, to live out his plan and purpose, to live in his best. And so, Father, we pray for our hearts today, God, that our hearts would be open to you, Lord, always and in every area of our life. God, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?